at efirstfederal.bank. At First Federal Bank and Trust, we're making home happen in Sheridan. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. After the busy holidays have passed, don't forget those loved ones in January. Legacy Diamond and Gems has a large selection of garnet, January's birthstone, in rings, pendants, earrings, and bracelets. Beautiful garnets from Montana, Brazil, Africa, and other locations throughout the world. Come into Legacy Diamond and Gems for the finest quality jewelry at an exceptional value. 11 North Main Street in downtown Sheridan. Is your car running on fumes and your pantry looks like you're getting ready to renovate? Well, buckle up for the gas and grocery sweepstakes brought to you by ERA Carroll Realty. Just head over to thesharedmedia.com, enter through February 1st for your chance to win a $200 gift card to Ridley's and a $200 gift card to Farmers Co-op. One lucky winner chosen by random draw on February 2nd. Look for the gas and grocery sweepstakes presented by ERA Carroll Realty on the contest page at sharedmedia.com. This is Public Pulse, your information and conversation program, brought to you by First Federal Bank and Trust. You can voice your opinion by calling 672-KROE. That's 672-5763. Now, your host for Public Pulse, Floyd Whiting. Good morning and welcome to Public Pulse. This morning, I am joined by Sheridan County Conservation District Manager, Carrie Rogacheski and District Board Member Jessica Western. Good morning, ladies, and welcome to the show. Now, a real quick question. Um, this one, kind of one of those questions I've been asking individuals uh, at the beginning of the year. You are lucky enough to get the last one. Um, what is one thing you should throw out this year that you haven't in the past? Wow, that is... It's 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 There's almost so like a time to reflect, things. There's right? There's so many things, right? We I keep saying that now that we're into the year, we've got got some things to purge. A lot of lifetime of purging that needs to be done. But and see, that's one of the beautiful parts about this question. It can be anything. It can be a negative attitude about something that you've held on to. Ooh. Could be a grudge. I mean, or it just could be old T-shirts. I've gotten that a lot. Yeah, I am trying to finish t-shirt quilts for my children that I've I'd been like working on for four years. Yeah, <laughs> to get rid of the old t-shirts. t-shirts right, That's right. Definitely. So, <laughs> so yeah. And attitudes, maybe the, um, you know, fear of coming onto Public Pulse on a regular basis. That could be something I need to throw out. Really? It, right? Nervous, no. right? <laughs> no. I'll tell you what, I was nervous for my first six months. That's why I'm always leaning. I developed bad habits. Right. Having what we call the kickstand. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica, what about you? Well, okay, so I accused my husband of needing to throw out uh, T-shirts. I think he would argue that I need to throw out vases. Oh, I love having flowers in the house. Yeah. And over the years, I've collected vases, and um, they're, we're getting too much. It's, the pantry is getting a little full. Yeah. So I think uh, that would be the one. <laughs> yeah. I finally had to say something. When those big plastic cups, my wife loves them. She loves reusable cups. Oh, right. And can't we throw ha- that out. Right. And we've got a cabinet above the oven. And I just yeah. can't fit any more in there. And, <laughs> yeah. and so we made a deal. If one comes in, one's one got to go out. So yeah. that's the deal for this year. Now, the Western Landowners Alliance 
and Sheridan County Conservation District are inviting the public and local producers to a happy hour and a panel discussion. Carrie, who are the Western Land Owners Alliance? So um, we were asked to partner with them, and we're excited to be co-hosting this event with them. Um, they weren't able to join us today, um, but they are a landowner-led, nonpartisan organization that advances policies and practices to sustain working lands, connected landscapes, and native species. Um, so in a nutshell, that's... Um, that They're would conserving. Be the, they're conserving, right, and advocating, um, I would say, and, and supporting um, private landowners and, and those working landscapes that um, that are, um, I guess, managed and, and operated by those private landowners. Yeah. I'm a member of WLA, and um, I really like this organization but because it really does try to find ways to support landowners and, and ranchers and operators in a way that benefits them and benefits their bottom line, but also the land that they're working with mm -hmm. and uh, the species and trying to create as many as much value as possible from those lands with landowners. So they work on a, uh, they really work out here in the West, but they also are, for example, working on the farm bill right now to try and make that farm bill as, as sensible and as helpful as possible for landowners. You know, when it comes to conservation of land, I know there are some individuals um, who believe that, you know, these farmers and ranchers, they're just going out there and using what they can use. But the fact of the matter is I've been doing this job for a little while now, mm. and I've spoken to a lot of landowners over the years, and I've had some great opportunities to go up deep into the forest to the bighorns. Uh, and, and see what landowners are doing up there as well as what ranchers are doing down here. Right. And from what I've seen, landowners are some of the biggest conservationists that there are. They know this land. A lot of them inherited this land. Uh, they live on legacy land. They wouldn't want that damaged. They wouldn't want it uh, ruined. They don't want species that were there when they were kids to be gone today. So I think uh, uh, there's this misconception among some who think that, but the fact of the matter is the landowners themselves are some of the best conservationists you'll ever come across. The same can be said for hunters when they're out there conserving <clears throat> the game that they love to hunt and, in many cases, feed their families with. For sure, and that that's really one of the, I guess, the, the motivation behind pulling this event together and, and partnering with them is... We really just want to come together, celebrate these these landscapes and the and the people, as you said, the ranchers and, and farmers that manage those and and make their living on those and and provide. We also want to raise awareness on the values that they that they provide, just like you said, all of those um, things, whether it's um, open, open spaces, connected landscapes, biodiversity wildlife and pollinator habitat, habitat. Mm -hmm. all of those things are made possible by these, in, in a large part, by the private landowners and the lands they manage. And working with conservation districts and uh, uh, other organizations, they've managed to help improve riparian area, which uh, if, if people don't know what that is, that's kind of the ecosystem just off of a body of water. Correct. And it is so vital to the ecosystem as a whole. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I have only started learning about what riparian areas do for the land 
probably over the course of the last seven years. And wow, I never realized uh, that this small section of land, when you look at everything as a big, in a big scope, this small section does so much. There's so many species that are living in just that little area alone uh, that are contributing to the greater ecosystem as a whole. What is the panel wishing to raise awareness on? It's, is it just the fact that, hey, the landowners are the ones who are putting forth the effort? Or is there something more to that? So there will be multiple, I guess, facets, and, and then I'll maybe let Jessica weigh in as well. But we'll, we have some um, private landowners on the panel uh, that will really kind of discuss the challenges, the needs, um, things they perceive and, and understand and, and what they might need to to maintain and enhance stewardship activities, the lands. But we also have some uh, some. Uh, I guess, leading experts, professionals in the field, and they will kind of offer some of the the tools and, and other resources out there available and, and kind of help round out, um, round out the whole program. Jessica will be moderating um, the, the panel discussion pieces, and I might let her chime in a little more specifically because she's been working really hard to develop that, that piece of it. And Jessica, what are they going to be talking about? They're going to be talking about what you just mentioned, actually. Um, they're going to be talking about all the public benefits that are related to these private lands. And so, as Carrie said, we want to celebrate, on the one hand, these gorgeous landscapes that we're so lucky to live in. But we also really want to celebrate the people who, who are the stewards of all that gorgeous land. Yeah. And, and find, discuss, you know, what are ways that we can support landowners um, to to continue how to have their working operations and their working lands, what do they need, and and then by inference, um, how how does that benefit the public and what can the public do? Maybe get a conversation going about this two way dynamic between private landowners and the public, um, and see what we can do to maybe create even more value. And I'm sure that panel members, for, for example, Bob Budd, who is the executive director of the Wyoming Wildlife and Natural Resources Trust Fund, he will have ideas about this. Leslie Allison, who is the executive director of the Western Landowners Alliance, will also be there. And she'll be talking about what her organization is doing to do exactly that. But ultimately, you know, conservation of our landscapes, and certainly in Wyoming, it, it starts really, it's local, you know, it's right on the it's ground. It's grassroots. It's yeah. grassroots. And, and um, we want to have a conversation about what all these private landowners are doing, not only to make living, um, but also to, to benefit these landscapes and how we can help. Every time I drive uh, home from work, there's beautiful landscapes from here to Buffalo. Yeah. And at a certain part of the year, it's all green and gorgeous, and the big round bales of hay are sitting on the foothills next to those mountains. And I think about that, and I take time to really look at that, because I want to appreciate where I live. And it just wouldn't be the same without those big round bales. That's right. <laughs> Correct. That. I mean, they're I love beautiful. Those big it's round beautiful. Bales. It's, it's picturesque. Yes, you it know? is. People pay thousands of dollars to see that kind of stuff and I get to see it every day I know and and so I I, I understand uh, where we're coming from because they don't want that land 
uh, to to be barren or to use it up and pass it on. I mean, I think we learned a lot from the Great Depression. We know how to handle our own land, and we know how to care for it. We know what needs to be there. Carrie, when it comes to the, the conservation district's discussion during this panel, what are the things that you would really like to hit on while while people are sitting around talking? Yeah, well, firstly, just acknowledging you said those those landowners and and I think it's easy for even us um, to take for granted sometimes that that the reason we can see those round bales and those landscapes are because of those landowners. Um, but also, I think sometimes the landowners and and stewards of of the landscapes they're they're busy working and and making their living on those lands that sometimes they um, there's always stuff to learn, always something that can be learned or, or understood better. And there are opportunities that may be out there that maybe they don't even realize are there. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of the, the I guess, the, the area that the conservation district works in is trying to, to bring those opportunities, not just um, providing information and awareness about those opportunities, but, but offering some of that technical assistance or even financial assistance to, to help them implement practices or um, uh, infrastructure even that allows them to to manage those landscapes more efficiently, um, more productively, and in a way that protects those riparian areas like you mentioned or grasslands or those other habitats that um, that are that are dear to all of us. It's a partnership. Oh, most definitely. I mean, it's it a, is partnership, a partnership for sure. Yes. All right, on that, i got to take a quick commercial break. We will have more with the Sheridan County Conservation District right after this. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM, Sheridan. Have you ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank and Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders, we pay our community. At First Federal Bank and Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank, member FDIC. Wake up and smell the coffee lovers. McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo and Gillette are bringing back the McCafe menu magic. Delightful espresso drinks and coffees. Whether you crave the warmth of a hot cappuccino or caramel cappuccino, mochas, lattes, iced coffees and more. You can order your McCafe coffee right from the McDonald's app using mobile order and pay for a quick pickup. Your mornings just got a whole lot better with McDonald's McCafe because, hey, good day start with a great cup of coffee it's back hi this is ken with prime rate motors and we are looking to buy your clean used vehicles campers utvs and tractors of any age are your payments too high we will also down trade you out of your current vehicle into a more affordable one or if you just need a professional assessed value of your current car truck or suv we do on the spot appraisals stop by 2305 coffee avenue in sheridan or call 674-6677 and also see our full inventory at prime rate 
SwampMotors.com. Hey there, it's James Timberlake, your friendly host on Swamp Chop. Join me every weekday morning at 825 a.m. on News Talk 930 and 103.9 FM KROE. Whether you're looking to buy, sell, or trade, Swamp Shop is the place to be. It's quick, it's hassle-free, and the results speak for themselves. We also post the Swap Shop listings on SheridanMedia.com. Swap Shop, your go-to destination for all things swapping. Weekdays at 825 a.m. on News Talk 930 and 103.9 FM KROE. Welcome back to Public Pulse. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning I'm speaking with Sheridan County Conservation District Manager Carrie Rogacheski and District Board Member Jessica Western. In the first part of the show, we discuss tomorrow's event as the Western Landowners Alliance and the Sheridan County Conservation District are going to host the public and local producers to a happy hour and a panel discussion. This event will be held in the Snow Goose Room and the Best Western from 5 to 7 p.m. That's 5 to 7 p.m. Snow Goose Room at the Best Western. Now, uh, what are some of the public benefits that private landowners can provide to Sheridan County communities? Public benefits include uh, habitat, of course. Uh, we all love our game. <clears throat> Um, but also habitat for, for fish. We were talking about riparian areas, birds. We're rich in birds. Um, generally, wetlands are a part of that as well. But there are also things like soil health is very important mm-hmm. <clears throat> on the conservation district. We've been talking about that. And we uh, had a workshop last year that was all about soil health. And soil health, by in turn, allows for a lot of carbon sequestration, which is something that we're talking about more and more these days. Other things are pollinators. We need pollinators for ag- agriculture. It's very important. So the more flowers that we have and the more pollinator insects that we have, the better it is for humans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are just a couple of them. There are a bunch of other ones you can talk about, you know, well, you go into like Air. the game and fish and you look at the Access Absolutely. Yes program. Well, uh, for sure. just recreation. It's critical for recreation. Absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of ways that uh, <clears throat> private landowners have been working with public entities for years that I think a lot of people don't don't really see on the That's surface, right. you know, because it's not really on your mind until you're like, well, I got to cross that to get here. That's right. You know, when you when you talk about hay bales, for example, I really agree with you on that one. I my neighbors um, are create beautiful hay on their land. With that comes a beautiful view. Absolutely. You know, um, but I also have horses, so I get to buy their beautiful hay. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I see they're wor- working hard on it in the summer. Um, but with that hay comes. Um, carbon sequestration as well Mm -hmm. and with that hay comes water health because they're managing their land so beautifully so there's a lot that goes into that hay bill it's there are all kinds of values related to the hay bill um and of course money for the landowner which is very important and forage for the animals so there is so much that goes with that hay bill (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot yeah. goes into that big, round, beautiful yeah. thing sitting out there. It's not just there for the view, for sure. Now, among other issues, the panel is going to be discussing the challenges and the needs of landowners to maintain and enhance working lands and these stewardship activities, as Carrie brought up in the first part. 
Can you tell us a few of those challenges and, and what those needs are? Carrie, you want to start? Well, sure. Um, you know, uh, I think all of us have, have very cha- have levels of challenges in just our daily, daily, day-to-day life, how yeah. we make everything pencil out, how we, you know, uh, find that work-life balance that we hear about all the time. Um, and I think, you know, for someone like me, I mostly get to go to work in the morning, come home in the afternoon, take, a, take a walk in those beautiful landscapes yeah, in the and evening. It's a day, right? And it's a day. For for some of the um the the folks that are that are living and working on these on these landscapes is they may have another job too, but then even when they get home, they're not just gonna have dinner and take a walk like I might. They're going to be out there managing their their other job, mm-hmm. um, the the fields where they they grow those hay um, the hay bales and the, and the animals that that they're um, um, stewarding. Um, so for them, it's a it's there are a lot of pieces to pull together, I guess, to make it work and sustainable to make it something that they can continue to do um, and and pass on to the next generation so they can do it, you know, to keep those, to keep those landscapes open for one thing. Um, it's certainly not um, free or cheap yeah. or any of that. Um, they're not just out there enjoying the view to enjoy the view. I mean, they, there's uh, a lot of other things that they have to pull together to make it work. And there's a lot of education that goes into this. Um, we've learned a lot of things over the years uh, and, and how to develop a riparian area. You know, if, if the water's flowing too fast through your, your land, it doesn't have the time to get inside the soil. So just recutting a ditch, you know, something like a, just an irrigation ditch can transform what your land looks like. I mean, I know it's a lot of work. That is a huge project. We had irrigation ditches all over uh, my father's land. And so recutting one to help the riparian areas would be a weekend project. (laughs) And so I would need help doing that. I would need educated on how to do that. And and that's where the conservation district pops in, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And as with anything, technologies change, our knowledge, our understanding of what works, what doesn't work going to say we haven't all of us made mistakes over the years you know we've maybe done some things that that weren't um as helpful as they could be or should be and and we we learn and we change and we adapt and we um modify as as we um learn those different um technologies one of the things that we're doing at the event and and jessica might be able to speak to this a little more we do have a short film that we're showing about a um a riparian restoration project um, that was done um, by someone in Montana and showing how they can bring some of those pieces together. Um, sometimes those are the things, if we feel like they're too expensive or too hard, don't have the time to, to try and tackle that, you know, those get pushed aside. But knowing that there are opportunities, partners, help, um, all of those things out there, um, and hopefully that's, this film will show that a little bit for us. And it's just a short um Short film and something to keep the dialogue going. Absolutely, Jessica, have you seen this film? I have seen this film, and I'm I'm looking forward to f- seeing what the reactions are of the participants who come on February first. Um, but yeah, as Carrie said, what it is is it's about a landowner who inherited a ranch, and he decided for reasons that he'll explain in the film uh, to restore a natural riparian habitat. 
And by doing that, he not only increased the wildlife on his land, which is lovely, but at the end of the day, it's about the bottom line for him. And he did increase his bottom line by doing that because there was so much more water on his land. And so um, his harvests were much better. So he'll talk about some of those challenges that you were asking about, but other challenges that I think uh, the landowners on our panel will talk about is, is, you know, really everyday problems like equipment. You know, you, spring comes, it's, it's time to get the equipment out, and the equipment isn't working. Mm-hmm. The baler isn't working. And the amount of time and cost that goes into maintaining and repairing equipment. Um, a lot of ranchers, or landowners, I should say, have uh, day jobs. And like Carrie said, that's not the end of the day. They come home, they have dinner, and then they're out there. Um, until the middle of the night. So it's a very, very busy life, but the dedication that landowners have to that land is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we want to celebrate. But we also want to find out, you know, are there things that we, the public, can do to make life easier? Is there something that a farm bill could think of? Is there something that WLA can do? Um, just to explore, yes, we have all these benefits. How can we ensure that those are sustained? Absolutely. And that landowners can stay on their ranches and keep working their ranches. It is a preservation of culture. It has everything to do with culture. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's something that we hear people constantly talk about that's, that's vanishing day by day. Mm-hmm. You know, large industries coming in, buying up land. Legacy farms and ranches are disappearing. And so anything that we can do to help them out, uh, I think we should all get behind because it, it's, it's who we are here in Wyoming. It really is. And it's, and it, it's an issue here in Wyoming. It's an, it's an issue across the West. But we wanted to focus, you know, on our little corner of the West and have that conversation. Do see what, what we can. See what happens. Yeah. Our beautiful <laughs> corner. Absolutely. And keep it beautiful. And, and, the, and the corner that we love. We're all here for a reason. That's right. All right, so one more time. The event is going to be held at the Snow Goose Room at the Best Western from 5 to 7 p.m. This is tomorrow, February 1st. Make sure that you're there. Carrie, before I let you go, I just want to ask you real quick, the Acme Power Plant, something that you and I have talked about. We'll have a whole other show on this, but where are we at? Well, we are... Um, progressing very well with the the first phase of the cle- the actual cleanup, which is the debris removal, um, the the years of neglect out there and the the dumping, um, and and just stockpiling of of the tires and the hot tubs and other other uh, other stuff. Anything they can take to the landfill, in, right? Right. right. Um, we are very close to having that that part completed. Um, we've had a contractor out there this last week. Um, should be done um, by late next week or early the following week. Um, it's 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 going a lot faster than we anticipated, which is good. Um, and then our next step will be um, starting the the asbestos removal inside the building itself. Um, with that, and and most of this work, the debris removal, the asbestos, the the soil cleanup, which will follow that, is is being funded through federal um, federal grants. Um, we do have some of the asbestos um, removal. We do have a match requirement. And we're still working on the fundraising to to assist with some of that. We have most of it raised. 
um, or most of the cost covered through those federal grants. Um, we have about 65,000 of the, of the match um, that we still need to kind of pull together um, before the end of next year to, to help facilitate that work. But, um, but we're moving along and happy to see the progress and we'll, we'll keep plugging away. Wow. But yeah, I would love to come back and give a more detailed uh, Yeah, yeah. Discussion. We'll talk about this because uh, I want to help with those uh, fundraising efforts in any way that we can. Because this is a fantastic project. And uh, bottom line, it needs done. You know, even even if you don't want to reclaim the land or you don't think it's useful, this stuff needs to be. Removed. Taking care of the contamination is the top priority in that. And that's the reason we we became involved less about the what to do with it at the end, although that is important and, and something we we continue to work with with partners to try and, um, I guess, come up with something that that not only um celebrates the the history that was out there and the and the landscape that was out there but that is something that people can enjoy um, but certainly the contamination is the first big piece absolutely carrie jessica thank you both so much for coming in and speaking with me today i thank greatly you, appreciate it thank you floyd all right when we return we're going to speak with the sheridan advocacy and resource center about teen dating violence stay with us this is public pulse sun 930 KROE, and 103.9 fm shared A new year means new adventures. Make this year the start of your homeownership adventure with First Federal Bank and Trust. Our local team will guide you through the home loan process from start to finish. Explore our online tools 24-7 from customizable financial calculators to daily mortgage rates. Call us or stop by our home loan center to get pre-qualified or apply online today at efirstfederal.bank. At First Federal Bank and Trust, we're making home happen in Sheridan. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. So I called my landlord and I said, hey, I got a leak in my sink. He said, go ahead, I'm not judging. Well, the same goes for you fixing up or tuning your own 4 before side-by-side or snow machine. Because you won't do it. And if you do do it, you'll do it wrong. Hendo Service Center then fixing, tuning up, and selling these machines in Sheridan for decades. And no one else around here can come anywhere close to that. Call them. Get that machine back to being fit. Hendo Service Center on Sheridan's Heartland Drive. The Wild Performing Arts and Education Center presents the National Theater's production of The Crucible tomorrow night at 6 p.m. A witch hunt is beginning when a group of young Salem women raised to be seen and not heard suddenly find their words have an almighty power. Watch as a climate of fear, vendetta, and accusation spreads throughout the community, making no one safe from trial. Get tickets today at the Wild Theater box office or online at wildtheater.com. Location, location, location. 810 Main Street in Dayton, Wyoming. Prime for new owners with great vision. Could not be located any better. Setting at the base of the Bighorns, this well-established business in beautiful Dayton, Wyoming is just off Highway 14, the direct route to Yellowstone. Lots of parking or room to expand the building to fit your needs. The bar is a local turnkey favorite or a prime opportunity to bring a new business to town. Call Kelly Munsick at Buffalo Realty, connecting people with property. The following message is presented by Century21BHJ.com. Hello, Sheridan. It's time for kindergarten registration. If you have a child turning five years old on or before September 15th, please register your child for kindergarten at your neighborhood school February 6th, 7th, or 8th, anytime from 8.30 to 3.30. 
please bring immunization records, a birth certificate, and a current utility bill. If you have questions, please call your neighborhood school or me at 674-7405, extension 5108. Fox Sports Radio is back in Sheridan all day long, every single day. Tune into the best sports lineup in the nation every single day on Sheridan Media's 106.3 FM. The best sporting lineup in the nation all day, every day, 24-7. Sheridan Media's 106.3 FM and online at SheridanMedia.com. We are Fox Sports! about half here all the time right good morning and welcome back to public pulse proudly brought to you by first federal bank and trust i'm floyd whiting for the second part of our show this morning i am joined by the executive director for the sheridan county advocacy and resource center yvonne swanson and the assistant director Rhonda weber good morning, good morning and morning. welcome back to the show now uh how was your new year the new year was good. It started off really nice, right? We got a little cold, and then we got motorcycle weather. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You <laughs> out on the bike? Oh, yeah. All weekend. It was great. Yeah, that's one thing. You know, I, I had a chaplain in the military who would ride his motorcycle through snowstorms. He was fearless. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if I should do that. No. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't suggest Mm-mm. it for anybody. No. Uh, he had his faith in God. Yeah. We'll, we'll just put that... <laughs> Rhonda, how was your New Year? It was good. Yep, a good start so far. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, I've been asking folks all January one of two questions, and you are the official last time I get to ask this question. What is one thing you should throw out this year? Yvonne, I'll start with you. It can be a bad attitude about something, a negative Uh, attitude, or it can just be, you know, some old clothes. Uh, I've heard all kinds of stuff. Yeah, um, I've really been struggling with clutter. I hate clutter. Clutter's everywhere. Why do we keep things that we might not ever use? I don't, it's Why something do we do human that? about us. I don't know. I mean, I have a dress hanging in my laundry room that is like a size four, which is probably like seven sizes too small for me. <laughs> but one day. But one day. I mean, it's a perfectly fine dress. Why would I get rid of this dress? It's a great dress. It's a pl- it's a cute little black dress. Yeah. Why would it you get rid of it? It could be used for all sorts of functions. <laughs> Somebody's going to need it one day. You think you should get rid of that dress? Yeah, I don't think my boys will ever wear it. I don't think so. Not, I don't not think right so. now. Rhonda? <laughs> uh, I, I've been working really hard on just surrounding myself with people who uh, match match our energy for our family. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> so, I get yeah. it. I get it. I, I think Sheridan, this is a different talk, but I think Sheridan can be a hard place to thrive. And so surrounding yourself with people who have similar values. Yep. They lift you up <laughs> yeah. and, and take you along for the ride, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, uh, when my daughter was in high school, um, she told me once that our home uh, became known as the quiet place. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. You know, this is this is where you can go for the weekend and there's going to be no yelling. There's going to be no fights. There's going to be nothing. You go there and everything is chill. And I love knowing good. that. Yeah, that's awesome. I think it's hard, you know, like, uh, I don't want to say like keeping up with Joneses because I, I don't think I've ever done that. But it's hard raising three young kids to not do that yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. You got to try and impart that stuff and, and it gets away from you. Yeah. You know, I, I raised a a teenage daughter and Oh man, there, you know, yeah. Once she hit 19, I sat her down and I was like, okay, tell me everything you didn't tell me. (laughs) 
It's and a safe time now. I, I, I really wish I hadn't. Yeah, yes. I don't know. I no. felt like I was really involved. Yeah. I was right I there. There's so know? much. And then all of a sudden, what do you mean you weren't over at her house I that know. night? What yeah. do you mean you went out? Holy or you cow. were feeling this. Like, I don't know. I, stuff still still trickles out from me and my brother to my mom, and I'm 43, so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well yeah, we like to, in my house, and my family, I have two sisters and three brothers. We like to just give her a little bit at a time. Yeah. You know, yeah. you can't give it all to them. <laughs> and they're like, I was a bad mom. And you're like, no, yeah, no. You, we were really good. Right. Yeah, and, and my daughter said the same thing. Sure, you know, I'm going to go out and do what I want. Mm-hmm. and I'm going to try and get away with it. And I can remember a lot of individuals <clears throat> used to say, well, she's that way because you're dad. You're never going to see that side. Yeah. Of her. Right. And I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I didn't know that side of you was out doing <laughs> that yeah. crazy stuff. I you know. know. But uh, as as me and my ex-wife, who's still one of my best friends in the world, hey, at least she wasn't doing the stuff that we were doing. Right. At her That's age. what I'm thankful for every yeah. day. Yeah. She puts it into perspective <laughs> yeah. for me. Yeah. Uh, when I get on my soapbox, she's looking at me going, yeah, but look at what you did when I you know. were 14. Yep. We're still ahead of the game. When yep. they ask questions like, what? What about you in high school? I'm like, I was a straight A student. Yeah. What are you talking about? Uphill both ways. Yeah. You got, Everything you, was perfect. In church every Sunday. Never in trouble. Now, according uh, for the Centers for, uh, for Disease Control and Prevention, during a survey, they found that one in 12 teens are actually experiencing physical dating violence. You know, this is one of those things that may be going on like what we're talking about, and and the kids aren't telling us. We might not be mm-hmm. seeing it. After this survey, 1 in 12, that is a mm-hmm. huge number. Yeah, of physical violence. So one in, one in, they think 1 in 3, 1 in 4, it fluctuates of females experience dating abuse in general, so physical, emotional, mental. Um, this 1 in 12 is just for physical, and then for yeah. males, it's 1 in 9. So My goodness. For, for physical, verbal, or emotional. So... We, we talk to the kids, we go into the classrooms. In any given classroom, you have to guess if statistics are true that three to four of them, by the time they're 18, will experience that. And that's kind of the shocking thing that they step back on. And that's a tough number to try and gauge, too, because yeah. a lot of these kids, if they're experiencing this, and f- forgive me, but they're not mature enough yet right. to really step back and say, you know, it's it's never gonna end. Yeah. It this is not gonna come to a conclusion that I want. Well, so they just continue with it. They hide that shame, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they don't tell you the truth of what's going on. Yeah. I mean, speaking on maturity, I don't think they know how to express it either. So we don't get teens that come to us and say, "I'm in an uh, a, an abusive relationship" or "I'm experiencing teen dating violence." That's that's not what they say. The the maturity level is also to the to the extent of where they don't know how to communicate what's happening to them either. And times have changed so much from when we were kids and we passed notes. Yeah. <laughs> and now with the access of gaming and social media, social media and access to telephones, mm-hmm. everybody's got a telephone what when they're 10? Yeah. 9 even. And so like communication and not being able to just talk to one another that communication looks different for these young people. And when they're 
being shamed a little bit of like, why didn't you text me back? I was calling you or I text you and you didn't, you took so long to message me back. Or every time I text you, you should text me back. What are you doing? Who are you hanging out with? That, they don't know how to verbalize. We use our code words, teen dating violence, you know, where, where that shame is still emotional and that's still abuse and it's not physical violence. And kids don't know that they're going through it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's easy for parents to say, well, I go through their phone. I go through. Oh, their, yeah. Yeah. You see, yeah. even even mm-hmm. then, you're still only seeing what they want. Unless you are, are like a forensics electronic specialist, mm-hmm. you're not seeing the whole truth. They're deleting things. Well, and and even, even if they do see something that's a little bit of a red flag, approaching that conversation is is not something we're taught either as parents and so it's it's really difficult to approach that conversation and then have the other important part that teen actually want to have the conversation with you and so there is a lot of um alone time i think we we talk to so many kids they they're surrounded by friends they are always attached to their phone social media but they are extremely lonely because of how they just don't know how to communicate. And, you know, it's it's one of those situations where we can sit here <clears throat> and we can say, I think all of us are, are X. You might not actually be X. Right? No, I've been. You're a millennial. With, yeah. I think you're just at the beginning <laughs> yeah. of the millennium. I, I think my husband and I were just arguing about, well, I don't know. I was born in 81. You're just at the end of it. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, or you're just at the beginning of millennials because yes. I'm at just the end of X. Yes. And uh, I was 80. Yeah. And so okay. we can sit here and, and the three of us grew up with this stuff yeah. in a way. Okay. Yeah. We didn't have it when we were teens, but when we were in our 20s, mm-hmm. cell phones were just starting. Mm-hmm. I got my first cell phone after 9-11 yep. and, and we knew a deployment mm-hmm. was coming. Yeah. So me and the wife wanted to be able to be in yeah. contact with right. each other. Boom. Okay. Now we need a cell yeah. phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, we've all been there for the developments and, oh, we can take pictures now. Oh, social media is now involved. <laughs> I mean, we were here for this. Yeah. These kids born with it in their hand, yeah. it is not going away. No, no matter how much people want to sit there and judge the new generations for doing what they do. We have to learn to live with this. We have mm-hmm. to learn to deal with this kind of stuff every day. This is something that the parents need to start yeah. paying attention right. to. Definitely. I think, I think what kind of ropes the parents in the best is not, you know, as parents ourselves, we're all parents here, not so much being told, uh, well, you have a responsibility to do this, this, and this, and this, right? It's, it's, it's not that it's more of, you know, understanding the actual health harm that it can have. I think parents are a little bit more uh, aware of listening to that or or wanting to listen to those types of things rather than, oh, Snapchat's bad. Okay. They want reasons on why it's bad, that, that mental health detriment that it causes. And so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's actually generational. They've proven that. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think uh, the boomers and there's a silent generation in between there where in the military, I told you something. Okay. Yep. I'm gone. I'm Mm going to go do it because my, my superior told me to do Mm it. All of a sudden people are now turning around going, why? Yeah. Yeah. I need an explanation Uh as to why this needs Uh to happen. You have to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or I'll just go get information somewhere else that suits my exactly. my own opinion. Yeah. And that might yeah. work in a work environment. Mm-hmm. But at home, you know, yeah. you don't want 
them going and seeking something else outside of that round. No. Be the parent. Sit there and speak yeah. with them about this stuff. And to do that, we got to educate ourselves on right. it. Right. For sure. And it is important for parents to start talking about it in their homes because otherwise they are going out and getting different information. And it might not be truthful information. Yep. It is just information. Well, and it doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be a scary conversation. You know, like we're not, if it's, if it's overwhelming to you as a parent, not telling you to sit at a computer and arm yourself with, you know, hours of information, just... Again, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, align your values, your family values, what's important to you as a family, and sit down and have a conversation about that. That can go a long way yeah. in then helping your youth decide what kind of relationships they want to surround themselves with. When we go into the schools and talk to kids, you know, we're not talking a lot of doom and gloom, like this is sexual assault or, you know, um, we we try to keep the conversation a lot more light and positive of what kind of friend or partner do you want around you? And let's talk about that. What's important to you? What aligns with your values? Because then you get to go out and, and you know, I say command that really. I mean, because you get to decide who you have in your life or not. And if somebody doesn't align with your values or you can't communicate with them or whatever words they give me that are their mm -hmm. values, then how do we go about not having this person in our lives? And if that becomes a problem, that's where we come in. And it may be difficult for, you know, older people sitting out there to think, well, what would a reaction on a phone have on me? Right. Why, oh. why would I get so upset that this text is being sent? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> but so to true. them, that is a language. That is that, so that true. Is, yeah. It's just like standing in front of each other to us. Yep. And so, and that, never stops like Yvonne like what you were talking about harassment and and uh it it just doesn't quit the school right. day when we were kids when it was over we were over we had to fight yeah. siblings for the landline if we yeah. wanted to talk right. to our friend <laughs> yeah. now the texts are still happening mm -hmm. the social media is still happening mm -hmm. the bullying the assaults it's mm -hmm. still it going end. on and it's it's aggressive and there's so much. And like you just mentioned the word bullying. How fast does that travel on social media? Mm -hmm. yeah. Where it used to just be so-and-so did this and everybody starts giggling and whispering in the background. Now there's pictures and there's messages, videos being sent all over the place, mm -hmm. you know, of, of maybe the most stupid thing you've ever done. Mm -hmm. And now everybody knows about it in moments. So when we talk about teen dating violence, we're talking about, that's an umbrella term now oh, sure. for so yeah. many different yeah. things. Yeah. If, if I'm a parent and I'm at the end of my rope, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. What do I need to do, Yvonne? Well, you can contact us on Facebook. You can call us on our web page um, or email us. Um, but the Advocacy and Resource Center has a 24-hour crisis line. That's 307-672-3222. Um, and we also have office hours from 8 to 3. We're located at 136 Coffeen Avenue. And coming in, whether you come in as a parent, whether you bring your teen, whether parent needs support and teen needs support, we can split that up too. But just talking to an advocate to find out information and resources in the community and what the next steps might be. Because it is hard. It is hard to get a protection order in a school. Yeah. When when you are fearing your safety when you're in school and you have to be in school together. Mm -hmm. um, so those are things that we work with every day. 
And so we do um, know how to navigate some of those things. We are allowed up on the campuses. Um, we're actually um, have a couple lunch periods that we're going to in February mm -hmm. um, where our information will be there. So you can come stop by, see the girls, even um, the high school students to grab a sticker. We've been yeah. having some fun stickers and stuff like that being made um, to get some information. If you or a friend is going through something. I think that, you know, what parent, we, we have parents reach out to us all the time. And sometimes they they themselves don't know how to communicate, like what's going on with their youth. And so um, I'm just thinking of one I've had in the last year, a parent reached out and said, you know, somebody told me I should call you. I don't know what's going on with my daughter. She's making really bad choices. She's with someone that she really enjoys, but we can see red flags. And um, would you go talk to her? Sure. I If she wants to talk to me, yeah. I will talk to her. So we did all the permissions, whatever, went and visited her over lunch. And, you know, um, our advocates are trained on how to start that conversation. But there was no, we don't have an agenda. There's no investigation or anything like that. Like, hey, what's going on? Someone who really loves you is concerned. Let's talk about some boundaries that you have in your life. Um and and how we can build those boundaries up, you know, and the, if they want to talk to us, they will talk. And so it can be really as simple as that. But sometimes you need that outside perspective. Yeah. Now, I've gone through this and I don't want to expose too much about, yeah. uh, you know, my, my family's mm -hmm. life. But I had something to say. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and but because of my role in the mm -hmm. family, mm -hmm. well, everybody in yeah. your role says that. Yeah. So, yeah. so what am I going to listen to you? You right. sound like all the rest yeah. of Yeah. It took an outside perspective. Yeah. Somebody sitting down saying, look, mm -hmm. you know, this guy's right, man. Yeah. And this, this is what's going on. And we, we, of course, we're advocates and we're professionals that go and talk to them, but we really take that time to be more of mentors, you know, and just somebody safe, a face that they've seen, you know, since eighth grade, ninth grade, and, and then at lunches or whatever, mm -hmm. um, that they as teens, you know, they, they second guess a lot of adults. Um, but like maybe know something, a little something about what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, um, this, this particular instance, you know, I went up, we had a, we had a really good chat over lunch. Do you want me to come back and visit with you? And yeah, sure. Came back one more time. And then it was, you know, this, the student felt comfortable and was, was kind and, and great. And she's like, I'm good now. You've given me a lot to think about. Great. Okay. You know, and it doesn't it doesn't need to be always trauma and doom and gloom. It can just be really about another outside perspective, helping someone determine what kind of relationship they want to be in. Ladies, I have run out of time with you, but you've got an upcoming event, Yvonne. I do. Uh, I, I've, I've got probably 10 seconds left. Oh, Tell man. me where and when that's going to take place. Love Shouldn't Hurt 2024, the dueling pianos. We're going to be at the Shrine on February 16th from six to 10, $75 a person. Find our Facebook page and buy your tickets online. Come to our office to get your tickets however you want to. Fantastic. Yvonne, Rhonda, always a pleasure. Thank you. And I love the information that we have when we talk every time. All right, you've Thank been you. listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE. Have you ever wondered what makes First Federal Bank & Trust unique? We're a mutual bank, which means our focus is on you. Unlike other banks, we don't pay shareholders, we pay our community. At First Federal Bank & Trust, your financial interests drive our decisions. 
Bank with us and experience the mutual bank difference, where the power of community fuels your financial success. First Federal Bank and Trust is Sheridan's only mutual bank. Member FDIC. Fly Fishing Film Tours this Saturday at Sheridan's Y.O. Theater. Cast your luck in the raffle to win a guided fly fishing trip for two from Spiro Wigwam, a Henry lever action rifle and laser range finder from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports, plus great outdoor gear from Sheridan Bicycle Company, Wild Adventures, Sports Stop, and Fly Shop of the Bighorns. All proceeds benefit SCLT. Doors open at 5 p.m. Don't let this fantastic night off the hook. Get your tickets today at Fly Shop of the Bighorns or yotheater.com. Okay, you know that old saying, if a tree falls at the florist and nobody's there? Well, the same thing goes for you, your 4x4 side-by-side or snowmobile, if you don't keep them tuned up, repaired, or serviced. You could be out where trees fall all the time. It sounds like one hand clapping, but nobody is anywhere close to hear it or help you get back to the truck. Come on, man. Don't get stuck at the florist. Get that machine to Hendo Service Center on Sheridan's. Heartland Drive. Okay, remember your mom saying, don't make that face or it'll freeze that way. Well, if you ignored her and now you're stuck with that face, the Health Nut can help. Yep, the Health Nut has healthy choices of lotions for your skin and essential oils and diffusers and sea salt lamps to soothe your nerves after walking around with that froze face. Remember, say that again and I'll wash your mouth out with soap. The Health Nut has natural soaps, too. The Health Nut, dedicated to getting you healthy and keeping you that way. Located in Sheridan's 5th Street Mall. Is your car running on fumes and your pantry looks like you're getting ready to renovate? Well, buckle up for the gas and grocery sweepstakes. Brought to you by ERA Carroll Realty. Just head over to theshareedmedia.com. Enter through February 1st for your chance to win a $200 gift card to Ridley's and a $200 gift card to Farmers Co-op. One lucky winner chosen by random draw on February 2nd. Look for the gas and grocery sweepstakes presented by ERA Carroll Realty on the contest page at SheridanMedia.com. Ladies, you know that one thing you've been dying to try but don't know how to get started? Well, I'm here to help. This is Candace Crane, General Manager at Sheridan Honda Power Sports, and I'd like to invite you to check out my podcast, I Want to Do That, Women Helping Women Explore the Outdoors. This episode, we're talking about skiing, and Sheridan's own Patty Toby shares how she got started skiing as an adult and what beginners can do to feel confident on that first run down the mountain. I want to do that as far as...